stand together as we sing. Oh God beyond all praising. You'll find the music on your music insert this morning. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let us take a moment to greet each other, and I suggest maybe a fist pump rather than a handshake so we don't share those germs. I encourage you to take out the document called Connections so that you feel connected to what's going on in the life of this church and uh, walk you through a couple of announcements here. Uh, one that needs to come to us from last week is that the session has created a, a new group called the Heritage Foundation so that people who are planning to leave the church some estate money or some planned giving uh, could sign up to be a part of that. If you would like to let us know you're doing that, not interested in amounts, just your willingness to part, make it a part of your estate plan, then let us know and we'll be happy to invite you to an upcoming event in March. As you look inside your connections, I call your attention to the coming Friday, third Friday of the month event this coming week, the Academy Awards Night. And then also at the bottom of that page for the annual women's retreat. Sign-ups are still available for that. A week from Wednesday night is the beginning of Lent, our Ash Wednesday service. So I encourage you to consider uh, being a part of the Lenten practices, the devotional guide that you'll see listed there. Feel free to take one. And uh, special congratulations to our senior associate, Steve Sweet, who is going to be 
come the installed moderator of our presbytery at the end of the month. So when you see Steve, say congratulations to him. Uh, and then on the following page at the far down corner is the upcoming parenting workshop event. We are starting these events to help parents discover what it means to raise their children in healthy and faithful ways. A parent education workshop. Please note that because many parents will be looking to that, looking to this church for help in raising their children. We are glad you're in worship today. Let us pray together. Thank you, gracious God, that we are in your presence, that you have called us to be close to yourself. You've called us to come close to you through Jesus Christ, who we declare as Lord and Savior. And so may you come to us and lift us up that we might turn to our neighbors and our families and those that we do not know and lift them up, that they might be in your presence. And so stir us together as we worship you, that you might transform us to be living in the image of your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. We call to worship this morning by words inspired by Psalm 97. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. The, the heavens, heavens proclaim his righteousness, righteousness and, and the all the peoples behold his glory. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Give thanks to his holy name. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilion in splendor, and girded with our praise. Together. are worth repeating, our maker, defender, redeemer, our friend. This song, Our Great God, is an old Charles Wesley hymn, and uh, Fernando Ortega rewrote this tune to this song, Our Great God, and added the bridge, Alleluia, Alleluia, glory be to our great God. Your boundless love unfair. 
our call to confession comes from this song hear our cry O Lord make your church a light a city that stands to defend what is right and that translation is what is just and so this is our lament we're going to sing it as a lament as a call to confession this morning on behalf of the entire church Shepherd, our man. 
us listen, let us hear, let us say, let us understand our prayer of confession. O God, your great vision for the world is to form us into a chosen community, a royal priesthood, to partner with you in the joyful ministry of reconciliation and recreation. O God, you give us the opportunity to live lives which are wide and free. We confess that we hang back, that we fail to experience that freedom of loving and serving you to our fullest. God, you promise a new creation of all things. We confess that we continue to live by the old, reluctant to trust you to lead us into the new and wonderful world of your grace. God, you have promised us that you will be with us to accomplish all those things that you have asked us to do in your name. We confess that we do not always believe ourselves capable of doing the things that you ask. Our greatest sin is not the evil that we do, but the good that we do not do. Both you and the world see this as a great failing. We fail to lead the new and challenging lives of following Christ day by day. We fail to love others as we love ourselves. We fail to care for those around us in need. We fail to exhibit grace and love and forgiveness in our daily encounters. You know our hearts, Lord. Cleanse us, encourage us, use us, set us free of all our frailties to be strong and faithful servants, unafraid to be the new people you have called us to be. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Please take a moment now for personal silent confession. Let us join now together in the assurance of pardon. Beloved, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now, in Jesus Christ, we have received mercy. Christ, Christ himself, himself bore our sins in his body, his body on the, the cross, cross, so that, that free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.
When we look at the book of Exodus, we come to chapter 19 and we see that God has a great vision for history and for who he wants to make people to become. God wants everybody to become a priest. Let me say that again. God wants everybody to become a priest, to be a world of priests. There was a priestly tribe in Israel. Moses was born of that tribe. It's the tribe of Levi. Miriam and Aaron were brothers and sisters born of the Levitical pattern. Moses' mother was a Levi priest. The tribe of priests had a purpose. To be in the midst of Israel, to make all of Israel priests. Who had a purpose to be in the midst of the world, to make the whole world priests. It ripples out. And we share in that priesthood here in this church. Now as it happens... God always does have a sense of humor in the the midst of everything. As I'm preparing for this sermon, my wife's having surgery, and she, right before surgery, gets word that our daughter has had her son three weeks early. And so an hour before my wife's surgery, she goes in with the knowledge that she's a new grandmother. But here's the kicker. We didn't know the name of the child. The first name of the child is Levi. (laughs) Levi Wright Porter. In other words, my daughter and her husband were trying to say, this kid has been born to be a priest and to make priests of all people. Now, I got something wrong in that announcement. And I have to confess my sins in public here. 
I misread the original weight of the child being born. I thought, sure, she said it was 12 pounds and 13 ounces. And I was telling people that. And you never know when it's going to come back to you, right? So I get a call from my daughter saying, you're telling people our, our baby was 12 pounds and 13 ounces? How could I have had that child? And she heard about it from a person out of this congregation. It got back to her. You guys are sharing too many secrets. No, 8 pounds and 13 ounces is the right weight. It was a very wild week, so things got a little stretched is all I can say. God's big and great vision for Israel and for the church, as we see in Exodus 19 and 1 Peter 2, is for God to create a royal priesthood that will make the entire world priests. So if you're looking for a big vision statement, here it is, Exodus 19. On the third new moon, after the Israelites had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They had journeyed from Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain, and the implication is the mountain of the Lord. Then Moses went up to the God... And the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell all of the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples on earth. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you... You shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. And then out of 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter saying to the church, Come to him, that is Jesus Christ, the living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let there be no mistake. There is a great vision statement in the middle of Exodus, and we often forget this is what the entire book is about. God wants all of Israel to become a royal priesthood. And that's centered in the very nature of God, and in the New Testament we understand it is in the very nature of Jesus the Christ. God wants us to become like God, like Christ. For it is God who is the great priest and Jesus who is the great high priest. God shows us clearly what it means to be a priest because God by nature is a priest. People who know and reflect God become priests. Now this gets a little difficult in a world where we try to set aside priests because of religious privilege, or we make our pastors exclusive priests or clergy, and we forget that the Reformation was built upon an astounding affirmation, which is 
that everyone who has faith in God, in Jesus Christ, is a priest. And that our number one job is to be priests to the world. To know God, to listen to God, to act like God. To turn to other human beings and to help them to become a whole and vibrant and healthy humanity. When you run into a person on the street, what is your number one job? To be a priest to them. When you meet a stranger that you've never seen before, you've never talked to before, what is your number one job? To be their priest. To be a priest to your spouse, your children, your friends. To be a priest in this congregation. To be a priest to people who are strangers and foreigners and at a distance. To be a servant. To lift them up and carry them the way God carries us. To train them and empower them. To help them go on a healthy and good way. To teach them about God and God's way. To pray for them. And summarized in the great statement, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That is what priests do. And all the ramifications of it. As I often say to people as a pastor, I have three chief responsibilities. To be the mediator between people that are struggling together, the moderator of gatherings together, and the medicator of people who are getting out of sorts. I don't usually carry the drugs with me, by the way. It's the Word of God that truly medicates, by the way. The priestly call is for a covenant community, a treasured possession, a very carefully chosen group of people. We in our Presbyterian Reformed tradition like to call this election. This is an election year. It's a good time for priests to show up who are elected by God to do stuff. I would say that one of the major things we do in election year is to be a priest between Republicans and Democrats. To help them to talk to each other. And therefore you have to present your body a living sacrifice because you might get shot at from both sides. It's a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, a chosen race, God's own people. Special, treasured, royal, noble the best possible human being you can be for other human beings. Notice the contrast in Exodus. God says, hey, the whole world belongs to me. I can choose whomever I want of all the nations, but Israel, I have handpicked you. And we know that Israel had just come out of slavery. They were a nation without a land. They were small and irrelevant politically to the entire world. And God says, you, I'm choosing you to be my special possession. And that's what God says to everyone who declares Jesus Christ is Lord. You are my special possession. I will work with you to be a priest to other people. And the way it came out in Abraham's life is this, as the original person that was called by God. God called Abraham out of a foreign land and took him to another land, and Abraham becomes the special possession of God. For what purpose? It's summarized in a, a nicely abbreviated statement. Abraham was blessed by God to be a blessing to everybody else. That is the priesthood. God has embraced you so that you've got the guts and the stuff to embrace other human beings. If you're not embracing other human beings, guess what? You haven't accepted the embrace of God yet. Well, I like to be alone. I like to be on my own. Don't like to be interfered from other people. Oh, get over it. Take a hug from God and get over it. 
Because God has asked you and told you to bless others. There are four metaphors that I'd like to talk about now. Three of them are right out of the text, but one of them is out of our contemporary culture. The first metaphor is the metaphor of Jethro as priest. We talked about that last week. Jethro is a priest of Midian. He's not even a priest of Israel. But here's how God values priests from every, every place. Jethro is the priest who teaches Moses how to be a priest. It would be like a Catholic priest coming to me and teaching me how to be a Protestant. It would be like a Muslim priest coming to me and teaching me how to be a Protestant. The Midianites were not good friends of Israel. At one point, Gideon fights the Midianites and beats them. But God uses a Midianite priest to teach Jethro how to be a priest, to teach Moses how to be a priest. The priest shows us through Jethro's metaphor that priests are concerned about the health of families and about caring wives and children back to their husbands. The priest leads in worship and watches and observes what God is doing. The priest acts as a person who evaluates what's going on, whether it's good or bad. See, priests do sit in judgment, but they're not judgmental. He's always judging what is not good so that he can help Moses do better. A priest is built into the vision of the very nature of God because the priest has knows God and the priest wants to become like God and God at the heart of who God is is priest. The se second metaphor is the metaphor of God and God's self. God is a priest. And we know that language because God comes down to humanity. This is how Genesis starts out after Adam and Eve are hiding in the garden. God comes down and walks with them in the cool of the day. When Israel is out in the wilderness, God comes down and shows them the way with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. God comes down and sits on the mountain so that the people can see God. God is always coming down to people because we can't get up there. There's a difference between Yahweh and all the rest of the Canaanite gods. All the Canaanites are trying to reach God, and Yahweh is the God who comes down and reaches humanity. That's what a priest does. A priest doesn't ever get high and holy. He gets down and dirty. That's why we kind of walk away from the priestly image at times. God comes down, is present, is concerned. God listens and speaks to human beings. God calls and invites and brings. And then we get to the third metaphor. And that is God as an eagle. An eagle is a marvelous animal for people in the wilderness because they see them nested on the high mountain slopes around them. And they're normally birds of prey, right? They normally come down and attack others. But God wants to be known as the eagle who comes down, swoops down, and saves people. The Canaanite gods are about eagles that devour. The Israel's God is about an eagle that comes down and swoops in and picks them up and saves them. The metaphor changes when God's in charge of it. And God's purpose is simple. I swooped down and picked you up like an eagle and carried you off on wings to myself. God wants to be present for people. The priest who is always present. 24-7. God watches over us and protects us with wings. God hovers and watches from on high to swoop down to be with us on low. Now there's a fourth metaphor I'd like to refer to, which is a contemporary metaphor. I tried to think of what is a major 
pattern that we see in everyday life that might remind us of the priesthood of all. I would like to suggest to you it is the Human Resources Department. Practically every company has one. Practically every church has one. It's called a personnel committee. The Human Resources Department, in fact, is primarily concerned about the health and well-being of the people of the host organization. But now here's the kicker. The Human Resources Department is concerned about the well-being of those people for a particular purpose, so they can produce good products. Henry Ford was probably the first major person to create a human resources department in his company as he was making Model Ts. And he was brilliant about how to do this. Henry Ford was the one you may remember, those of you who are old enough to remember this, to have a five-day work week, 40 hours. To have a five-dollar-a-day payroll which is a pretty high amount of money to be paid in those days, particularly for inexperienced help. And he would train people to do it. He cared about people for the purpose of making sure that they were so well cared for, they would build a really good automobile. That's what human resources departments do. They care about us as long as we produce. You stop producing, that department is not in favor of you. Now, here's the contrast with how God runs a human resources department. God doesn't care about what you produce. God cares about you as a human being, and God will keep caring about you as a human being even if your production falls completely off. So their great accountability to the metaphor of the human resources department is the call of the priesthood of all people. Now, Henry Ford knew how to build cars. He built literally hundreds of thousands of Model Ts and Model As, millions of them, in fact. And he empowered a lot of people to become middle-class, fairly substantially well-to-do people. Henry Ford, the wealthier he got, the more power he got, the more influence he got from helping people to build good cars, became more and more isolated in his own views of reality, and he was notoriously known behind the scenes as being anti-Semitic. He did not like Jewish people. So what did that, what happened? It put us in a real bind in terms of a country. Well, here's an American builder who was putting America on the map for production, and he doesn't like Jewish people. By the way, this is what happens to people who get their priesthood all screwed up. Priests who think they are now something special because they have more wealth and position and power are always tempted to start treating somebody else poorly. It's the negative side, the dark side of being chosen. This is what haunted Israel for many centuries. Well, God has chosen us. We must be special. They're going to act special. That means we're exclusively special. Our job is to be special. We don't care if the rest of you go to hell. No, that's not what God intended. What God wants is special people who help everybody else be special. And that's why we in Christian patterns often get screwed up. We start acting as though our theology is so important and so special that we are special and everybody should be like us. And we begin to be exclusive and we begin to treat those other people out there as not measuring up. Beware of Christians who specialize in a lot of their time judging other people who don't measure up. That's not why we're special. We are to help them to measure up, to give our lives to them. God's HR plan does not use people to produce stuff. God's HR plan 
helps people to grow up into the completeness of their human being, their humanity. So, guess who had Henry Ford's picture on his wall in the 30s and 40s? Adolf Hitler. And he celebrated Henry Ford because he was so anti-Semitic. A great American hero. Now, this is not an anti-Henry Ford sermon as much as this is, we can all go there. It's just that if we go there with more power, we tend to make a bigger splash about going there. The dark side of being elected is God thinks I'm really important. You know, I grew up to be a tall guy. There were some people who thought I should be, because I was so tall, that I should be considered really important. You know what I discovered? Taller people get more target practice from others. Special to be shot. Special to be attacked. Special to be abused. Not that I have a problem with that. But special to serve other human beings. And I learned the hard way that my main job is to kneel down before other people and to help lift them up. That's harder and harder for me to do in my old age. But it's still my call. My dad was a production specialist. He was a farmer who went to machine school and learned how to be a machinist. And he went to Lockheed at the beginning of World War II, and he produced airplane parts for Lockheed. He helped build bombers and fighters, and he was good at it. He could outproduce parts compared to anybody else on similar machines around him. He was special. And he kind of thought of himself as special in that way, and some other people got frustrated with him because he began to act kind of special. And they didn't like him. My dad learned the hard way that as a Christian, he was called to be a priest and to become a servant to those people around him and to help them become really good at production. His early life as a young man didn't go that way. But here's an amazing shift of what God did in his life that I watched personally. By the way, we, all of us sons were raised. There were four of us sons that were raised in his business. We were all taught the production processes of machine tools and lathes. I used to run a turret lathe, a number five Warner and Swayze turret lathe. If you have any experience with machines, you know that's a big machine. He said, you're a big guy, here's a big machine, now run it. And I could make some of those parts faster than anybody else, and I got kind of proud of that. But you know, while I was doing that, my dad was learning something else. He was learning that his time needed to be devoted not so much to producing parts, but producing good people. And so while I'm back there running the machine, he's out in the front office counseling with people who are struggling with life. We would often kid him and say, Dad, you don't have time to produce parts anymore? He said, I'm producing people. He learned that his priesthood wasn't about producing good parts, it was about producing wonderful people, and he spent a lot of time doing it. He learned that the greatest of all is the servant of all. By the way, he also had a little promise that he'd rehearse in his own mind of what God said to him about this. My dad would say, you know, I feel called to do this priesthood stuff in the front office, but I'm not getting my work done. And God would whisper in his ear, you worry about people, I'll worry about production. And lo and behold, over the years, his business not only survived, but it thrived. While he was a priest to people. Dad refused to let the production patterns interfere with his love of human beings. So here's the point of the whole text from the Old Testament and the New Testament. God wants us in every vocation of life, in everything that we do, to see people as more and more important. 
It's not that production isn't important, that parts aren't important, that planes aren't important, that all that stuff isn't important. But God is saying to us all the time, but the most important thing is what Jesus did. He valued human beings. And that's what you need to do with your life. Because you're a royal priesthood. You are chosen. You are elected to be a really fine human being to help other human beings be refined. Let's pray. Oh Lord, help us to walk in your way, the walking of the way of Moses and of Jesus Christ, the way of the priesthood. For it is through Christ that we know that you will accomplish this. Amen. Amen. Let us lift up our prayers. O God, our Father, the giver of life, we pray for your church throughout our world. Sanctify its life, renew its worship, empower its witness, and restore unity. Remove from your people all pride and every prejudice that divides and dulls their will to do your great work, to spread the good news, the love of your Son, Jesus. This morning, we pray for political leaders and people in power. Give them resolve to work for a world of justice and peace. We do pray especially for peace this morning. Peace in Israel, Syria, Iran, Afghanistan, North Korea. You've taught us to hope and to work for your reign of peace in this time and forevermore. And we lift up federal leaders and health agencies this morning Enable them to collaborate dealing with the coronavirus, to work together, to seek wisdom and solutions, to help bring needed supplies, comfort, and healing to those in need. Lord, be their strength. As your church, we pledge to work together in your name for the healing and salvation of this broken and hurting world. Through Christ our Lord, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Some of us have uh, invested a pretty good life in making money or making products, of doing things that uh, have helped our sense of wealth and well-being. When it comes to the gifts that we have because of those developments of good production and good money-making, we are reminded that the chief vision of God is to use all of our resources as a priestly nation for the purpose of lifting others up. And so we give with that vision today that everything God has given to us to have resources to make money is to be used for priestly purposes in the way of Jesus. Let us give accordingly. Amen. This morning the offertory is, Is He Worthy? And you'll find it on the music insert. So as the offering plate is passing your way and as you've given your offering, I invite you to sing and participate in this song. It's a song that we again sing on behalf of all of the church, what we know to, to be true and believe. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do.
is a new creation coming. It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Yes. Is. is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Of all that you've given to us, gracious God, that has brought us close to you, we want to offer ourselves and these gifts for the purpose of the ministry that Jesus calls us to, the ancient practice of priesthood. May you take these gifts and use them to bring people to yourself on the wings of an eagle. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your presence and your mercy and your love. Help us to live in that as we live for others. Through Christ we pray. Amen.
If there has been anything that has touched your heart or registered in your mind that you would like to have support in prayer, we have special prayer partners who will be glad to meet you on this side of the sanctuary at the end of the service. As I've mentioned on previous occasions, Moses came to understand the nature of God, particularly in the blessing as we refer to as the high priestly blessing. And that is that God in the word bless is a God who comes down before us and stoops down before us to help us up and lift us up and send us on a much better way. So as you go today, hear what God says to you. May the Lord bless you serve you, and sustain you as you go. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance, smile upon you, and give you wholeness, shalom, peace today as you turn to the people around you and bless them. Amen.